welcome to Season 2, Episode 28 of Game Dev with a Shot of Jameson. My name is Jameson Doral, and I'm a game designer with 20 years of experience, and I like to help people learn more about video game development. Today we're joined again by Brett Wright, executive producer at the Toolshed LLC. We talk about how his current location includes some absurd internet costs, why failing fast is incredibly valuable, and how he got a referral for a game industry job from a former landlord. Don't forget you can join the conversation live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern over at twitch.tv forward slash Jameson Doral. There's a link in the show notes if you want to come get your questions answered live next time. But for now, let's get this episode started. How's it going, man? I'm good. I think uh, we might have kicked winter in its ass up here. I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, you were saying earlier you had some snow this morning, this morning right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, it would be a good day if it was, you know. Man, I, I, it's it's mid almost May, and you're getting and people are getting snow. I don't I don't understand. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't understand. Um, I've seen it in June up here. So really, hey, wait, uh, where, are you in Montana? Yeah, in okay. the Glacier Park. Okay. Yeah, so higher elevations definitely, you know, get snow in May and June. So it makes sense. I uh, that's a place uh, the the northern part of the U.S. I have not visited. So at some point, I want to kind of make that trek across the north. I've been like into Michigan in that area, but I have not gone west of that. And uh, I'm I'm curious. I want to do that someday. Yeah, I mean, Glacier Park is the closest thing I can imagine to, like, the Alps, you know, uh, just rugged country, beautiful. And to think that they cut a road through the side of mountains up here uh, where you barely get two cars, you know, uh, passing each other on going to the Sun Road. Uh, it's just, it, it is incredible. And I'm I'm super thankful that our government actually set aside these places as national parks. Right. Uh, because they're just so pristine and um yeah it's 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 an amazing place to live it definitely helps you center yourself when you get out in the in the into it you know it's like everything just kind of melts away uh what had you uh, based there are you from that area or like what took you out that way no um again i mean kelly uh my better half right now is uh she got a job up here in glacier park okay. from a friend that she worked with and uh i was still in tampa and she was like you know i'm moving to montana and uh um that was a result of me buying a harley and telling her okay her next you know uh her next gift was i, I wouldn't ask questions and her <laughs> gift was moving to montana so uh <laughs> Luckily, working remote, because uh, there wasn't a game studio here, you know. Um, right. It, it allowed me to, to move up. And uh, and honestly, I'm pretty close now to, to Bellevue and uh, Tacoma, you know, and can get over there, you know, if, if need be. And gone to some of the IGA, IGDAs over there. Um, How long does yeah, it take you to get fun. up there? Um, I get over to Seattle, I think, in eight hours. Um, huh. And Spokane, Spokane's five that's not bad at all. Yeah, yeah. All right. And I'm part of the the technology uh, group here in Montana, uh, trying to be more. And and you'd be surprised now. There's a lot more developers here, uh, especially like for location GPS applications, hunting applications, and stuff like that. So, oh yeah. Uh, and farming. 
you know, there's a lot going on in the farming industry. So, uh, but yeah, games, man. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of games in Montana. Yeah, right. A lot of other development. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not a lot of technology in Montana, I would assume, or, you know, like at least uh, residential or, you know, commercial type technology that we would use. Yeah, I mean, How's your cell well, signal? The barrier of entry, right, <laughs> is the internet. And, yeah. and uh, to get gig service here at the studio is 30000 a month. Wait, I'm um, sorry? $30,000 a month. Wow. Spectrum, Charter, kiss my ass. But um, no, seriously, it is. Uh, right now, I, I have, I think, 200 meg. Uh, service and it's close to 500 a month. So what I was getting in Tampa for 70 bucks is 30 grand here. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I get a gig here for it's, 80 bucks, like up and down. So yeah, I wish, and they don't have Ooh. some, you know, asymmetrical internet here. It's, I got 200 up or no 200 down. And I think 60 up, um, something like that. Yeah. So, uh, but what it, is, we, is it cable? Or is it, uh, or is it satellite it, of some kind? So, no, it is cable. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I can get fiber, and they are bringing a lot more fiber in. So hopefully that reduces the cost. But currently, um, you got to be a pretty big operation to to afford that kind of outlay every month. You know. Um, so thirty grand. Studios, I I. Yeah. I don't even know how to process that. Like. Yeah, I, I, I know at National Flood, when I was over in Kalispell working for them, they do flood insurance um, software for insurance companies. So mm -hmm. they're working for the government. But um, they, they had to gig service over there. But, you know, their, their monthly revenue was well over, you know, a couple million. And so you can Ooh. afford it. But well, yeah, that's. Uh... Um, <laughs> yeah, for me, it's kind of like we make do. I mean, literally, I had guys logging in from Poland into the Xbox here to do testing um, or into the dev kit here, you know, um, and then publishing from here. Oh, wow. And and so those uploads would take you know, sometimes 12 to 15 hours, you know. Uh, but, yeah, you know, you, you make do. And, um, and I don't think it's ever really hindered me. I mean, a hundred to two hundred is, is, you know, it's good for what I do. You know. Yeah. Um, so. And yeah, yeah. like two hundred is not bad internet, right? Like it's 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 pretty no, good no. internet, but you know, the the cost ridiculous, and then you know that, oh, that uh, and and just knowing that there are better options out there, and and they're just I essentially know. unattainable, you know, for you right yeah. now. That's what well, about and a, I, you can move, right? right you right. can move to a different location. Uh, but if you want to stay here, there's a price that is accompanied with that. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I we we got multiple devices running on it. Never have any issues. Um, you know, I do shut things down when I know I've got a video conference coming. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, it's like. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's it's pretty free reign and and. Uh, That's yeah, wild. No, no real limitations. Uh, so far, so far. So. And how long have you been there? Uh, I think we're going on seven years or oh, okay. six years now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Nice. So how long? All right. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the tool shed. 
because because I don't think we talked too much about the company itself. And if we did, I have more questions anyway. Um, so <laughs> when when did you decide to start your own thing? So I've been working for several years, um, and even at seventy, my very first job uh, was self-employed i mean they they didn't hire me as a uh, an employee right i was a contractor mm-hmm. um and so i've been when right before covid hit uh, literally the month before covid hit we formed toolshed llc um, and the main reason for that was just the tax liability of having all of that money come to me as an individual and then paying, you know, all of my people out of my personal accounts, right? Um, and so that was the main reason to start Toolshed. And I knew that we had a two, two and a half year project that we were uh, working on and with the potential of 10 years. And, and so needed to start establishing that. And also in order to publish on Xbox and Apple and uh, Google and uh Sony. I think it may have been just Xbox and Sony, but there was a prerequisite that you had to have the the Dunn's number, um, and that generally is associated with the corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, not that not that individuals can't publish, but it's a little. There's another process for that, right? Yeah. Uh, so the easiest, most streamlined was to have a company set up for you, if, especially if you're self-publishing. Um, and uh, so that th- those were the reasons. I mean, uh, mainly financial, <laughs> being able just to separate things and know that when money's in my account, it's mine, and and uh, you know, and when it's in the studio account, it's it's payroll right. or bills. You know, so yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> uh, um, but it was it it was it was a great learning experience setting everything up, and as I touched on before, it was about. Um, Knowing we, knowing we had the work and knowing that we could put a team together and kind of, um, you know, send out swag and stuff to them and, you know, have, have a logo associated with the company and try to build that, that identity online, you know, so. Well, yeah. let's talk about that part a little bit. So what, what were you doing before that, before you kind of, you know, did that portion and, and I guess you'd say legitimized your company or whatever that, that is? Uh, I really just, I I worked as a contractor. I I mean, it was, so they would hire me as a producer or a technical producer and be paying me on a 1099. Um, and that worked because most of the time I had several different companies, um, that I was running or a part of. And so there was, a, you know, I wasn't beholden just to a, you know, one company. Um, I kind of did work a lot of different, you know, had a lot of irons in the fires in and out of the gaming industry. So, yeah. So, okay. So during that time you were, you were doing both. So what, like what, what kind of yeah. things outside of the industry, if, if you can talk about it? Uh, well, like, like. Since I'm moving to Glacier, um, a lot of it was like, I mean, dude, there was times that I was like painting trailers mm. uh, or housing for, you know, Glacier Park. Um, just, just anything that would get me away from the computer for a while and let me kind of 
dab my toe back into the construction yeah, world, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, and I did some uh, concrete staining, you know, on some of the pavilions that they were, they did here in the park. And, um, uh, and then we bought this. I, I got so bored that I saw a house for 20 grand and it was like 40 miles away. What? And uh, they, ha they had good internet. And so I am sitting in what was a $20,000 crack house. Um, and it's like we gutted it down to the studs and uh, took two years building it, you know. And uh, Kelly and I worked every weekend, every day off. We were here, and uh, we it's just a because we have corporate housing in the park where she works, we needed something that was kind of away from her job, right? Mm. Um, and because I, I was always the guest, on, you know, on property because right. I didn't work for the company. Right. And so, uh, you know, just having that place that was yours that you could, you could kind of detox and get away from work and not have to think about it for her was great. And for me, it gave me something constructive to do when I just had to walk away, you know, um, like like you were talking about, you know, you needed 20, 30 minutes between meetings or whatever. and. And that's kind of what I was doing at the time was um, working live ops or live operations or technical producing and and going and, and putting up tongue and groove on the ceiling, you know, and then jumping down for a meeting or a stand up, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, just it was it's that's the great freedom of remote and and the, and the industry itself. I think where we're heading is just it. it allows you to be so much more productive because you're able to do these things that aren't directly related to work, but they affect your work, right? Yeah. And your quality that you, you work on. And so whether it's, it's working with wood or, or working on a bike or, you know, I, it's, it's just doing something with my hands. That's physical. You know? Yeah, no, I totally that's, get that. And it's interesting. Uh, as someone who's in production and, you know, Production and project management generally, do you feel like you're using your hands less? Because I like I when I went through the time where I was mainly directing and that kind of stuff, I felt like, you know, I wasn't getting my hands dirty in, in the engine as much mm -hmm. as I was before. And while obviously it's not physical labor, it's there's that mentality there where like I'm building something even though it's digital. And so that kind of scratches that itch for me and is a big reason of why, you know, I wanted to go back into full time dev because I miss that so much. So, so for I you, is right that the same kind you. of thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally with you. Uh, I I miss getting in the engine. I miss, um, like, one of the projects we worked on was uh, uh, Maui, and it was like a direct representation. And back then, we couldn't just take a Google map and throw it into the engine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so we were getting LIDARs and and uh, geographical surveys and trying to compute that data um, in order to create this this map of, gosh, I think it was 22 kilometers across that island or something, and or 22 miles, I think. Um, but in the engine, and this was Unreal 4, I believe, um, early, early Unreal 4. Yeah. Uh, so just chopping those maps up and trying to make it to where, you know, um, Doing what Nanite does now, but without Nanite, um, in a way that was very clunky, you know. Um, and and 
to those guys' credit, they've gone on and they've they've adjusted that tech rate. And any time that you start a project now that's going to be released in three to five years down the road, you have to factor in that you're going to be changing technology through that period. Oh yeah, to stay relevant, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, it's I I don't know. In in my case, I I consider it resilient design because you're putting that into your schedules and, and planning for that as one of your risks. Yeah, you have to. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. so when you, when you're talking about something like that, how far out are you like actually planning? Cause there's like, like that, that's more a kind of an assumption statement, right? Like we, we know there's going to be something we're going to have to prepare for technology wise <laughs> yeah. in the next three to five years. At, how do you, plan for that right like it like how do you think about that and do you have kind of like some real benchmarks for it or do you just kind of create buckets of time i i think you have to be really cognizant of what's happening elsewhere in the industry mm -hmm. um and definitely looking at roadmaps um like unreal does epic does a great job of publishing their roadmaps right um and they don't go out five years. They're going out, you know, maybe maybe a year at the most. Um, and I, I think listening to industry leaders and where they think the focus is going to be, uh, and then GDC and things like that, really paying attention to what is catching fire and what the talk is about, yeah, um, and can give you indications. But it's it's all. It's it's all fortune telling, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's like um, it's like trying to think of how to forecast what a player is going to do to compensate for lag, right? Right. And sometimes you got it right, and sometimes you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to reset things, right? And so um, it it is a gamble. Uh, I think I, I asked a CTO the same question this week, um, and you know, and it's it's about staying staying as relevant as possible and always planning ahead. So if, if today's capacity is 2K assets, are we actually gonna have constraints that's gonna keep us at 4K or keep us at 8K mm. five years down the road? Is streaming going to be more prevalent where you're only streaming in what the player sees and all the other millions of kilobytes of assets are sitting there just waiting to be loaded yeah. or unloaded. And and trash collection and things like that could improve, uh, you know, just to, to make it a very lightweight thing. Are we gonna move to, to a, you know, web-based uh, games instead of, you know, loading game entirely on your device? Yeah. Um, and so those things, I don't know if that really answered your question because it's it's difficult and it depends on the project. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, if you're in in training, it's probably not going to be as prevalent as gaming because, um, you know, I come I come from the background of where games were pushing. I mean, you could not play the latest game unless you bought a new GPU or you bought a yep. new processor. Um, <laughs> and and that's what drove all those builds early on you know in my life taught me how to build computers same uh, yeah because you, you know it it's was literally like, why i'm oh, right yeah. with you <laughs> mm -hmm. stark i think it was it was one of the maybe it was starcraft that came out and uh i had to get a new gpu for that and it took me about two months to get enough money to put together to buy that um 
because I didn't want just what the, the minimum requirements. I wanted, you know, the best yeah. out there, you know, at the time. So, uh, but no, that's where, yeah, it's, it's, you, you can also look at, and I kind of touched on this when we spoke earlier. It's like, you can kind of look at Amazon and you can look at uh, companies like Netflix or Disney plus or Paramount. Um, and what they're doing with their streaming technology with 4K movies and even some of the content I'm getting is 8K. It's it's mind-boggling that they're doing that. And so if you're looking at that industry and how that's going to affect us, yeah. they're going to drive that for us, right? Um, and so you've got to plan for that because they're already proving that it can be done. In five years, what are they going to be doing? Yeah. You know, and, and hopefully that, that transfers over to the industry. Well, it's essentially a compression so. algorithm, right? Like they're they're making it mm -hmm. easier to send. Well, there's a combination. They're making it easier to send big data over over small lines faster, but also mm -hmm. the pipelines are getting bigger, right? More people are getting things like fiber and stuff like that, and we're not. I don't. Does anyone have dial-up anymore? I don't think anyone actually has dial-up, do they? <laughs> um, there's. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay, so coming from Tampa to East Glacier, um, and I think my <laughs> internet out there was 10 and 2. Oh, my god! That was my speeds. Are you serious? So that was as close to dial-up as I could probably get in today's age, you know? Man, uh, but that's wild. Uh, Kelly still, you know, when she's out there, she she can still watch Amazon and Netflix, uh, but I think we're we're at maybe 30 and 6 right now, you know, wow. out there. Man, that's that's painful. That's like if that's the internet I was getting, I would be livid, and that's where we've come, right? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then the funny thing is, is cellular service out there because I I was in Florida, so I have AT and T, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's one corner of the driveway that I can stand on and have a Skype conversation, <laughs> and in the house, no, you know. But yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. So you learn to adapt. Right? Yeah, definitely. Um. <laughs> All right, so we got we got a question in the chat I want to get to before we get too far away from it. Uh, Fancy Rhino asked about with the recent release of UE5, how long do you anticipate the industry working within that engine? And then I clarified, basically means how how long are people going to work in Unreal? Like, do we feel like they're gaining momentum and that it's something that's going to be a long term play? We feel like they're kind of in the space now and maybe something will rise up later. What, what are your thoughts on that? Dude, um, Unreal is, I think Unreal 4 was probably, what was it, six, seven years ago is when they released that. So they're they're on a six, seven year cycle I, on their I engines. think it was, wasn't it longer than that? Because I feel like we were looking well, at it in like 2010 when, we, when I was at Volition. That was Pre, pre, but but see, we did the same thing at Cubic, but it hadn't been released to the public. That that's true. It hadn't at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want to say I was at Cubic when it released to the public that year at GDC, um, when they decided to go free. You know, um, or the freer freer model. Oh, 2014. Um, so eight years. Got it. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, I but honestly, they have. To me, they they have a monopoly, um, and I know the Unity folks are going to hate me for this, but um, <laughs> Unity is great for mobile. Uh, if you want a lightweight shell of an engine, Unity is the one to go with. 
if you want full capability and a lot of the initial scripting programming done for you, and you want cinema quality stuff, you know, unreal all day long. And and that's only my opinion. That you know, I share uh, your opinion. Yeah, that's kind of the I, way I, just, I would break it down too. And, and it's interesting, like, Unity is doing things to to bridge that gap right now, you know. And they're yeah. like the thing they showed with that 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 AI character recently. I was I was blown away by how good mm-hmm. that looked, and uh, you know, yeah. so so they're they're trying, and so it, we'll see how long it lasts. But the big thing right now is they do not have like a visual scripting engine, or at least they didn't in in, in the last time I looked. That it's hard. It's harder to use it, right? It's not as accessible. Yeah. And I think that's a place they're really lagging behind, or had been anyway. I know there was a guy at Full Sail making a visual script. Yeah, Gallo. Yeah, Gallo. <laughs> I use that quite a bit. Yeah. 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 No, I, and that's the thing with Unity is right. It, everything's a plugin, right? Yeah. Um, or you have to, or you have to program. Yeah. Because it it is a shell. Um, and 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 for me especially. Uh, I enjoy the fact that I can jump in Unreal and have a prototype in a day. Yeah. Um, and if I do the same thing in, in Unity, sometimes that's that's several days. And and it's only because of my own familiar being familiar with Unreal. I yep. think that is the tipping point for me. Um, yeah. It, make, it uh, makes a big difference. But Unity's been good to us for the last couple of years on this project, so I don't want to talk crap about them. No, it, it, it's not <laughs> that, know, right? It's, like, it's it, just it, about looking at the longer-term play and seeing what people are going to, you know, flock to. Yeah, well, and it's 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 contextual, right? Um, based on the project, the client, and, and the audience you're trying to, to reach. Yeah. Um, but I, I've had... I've had great experiences with both, uh, but uh, you know my my go-to. And definitely, if we're wanting to push the edge of technology, I feel Unreal's got more money to throw at it than anybody, um, and and they do. Well, when you've got you know arguably the biggest game in the world, uh, you know funding yeah. your company, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, and I mean. We were talking about this the other day, a couple of friends about, you know, Fortnite's been out for five years. They've done virtual concerts and virtual events. Yeah. Uh, with top stars. I mean, Anderson Pack was on there. And now, you know, you look at Silk Sonic and what he did with Bruno Mars, and it's just like, holy crap. Uh, they, how they're getting all the Marvel stuff and, and just all the different IPs that they've folded into their game through the years. Yeah. Uh, it, they, they've raised the bar, you know, and you can't do that without money. Um, I mean, the backing that they have and the, the relationships that they've cultivated in the entertainment industry are just amazing. Yeah. And it makes us all want to strive to be, you know, on that same level because, I mean, yeah, it's... Uh, it's great to be able to know that you're working with a company that values the product that they're putting out there and not only just the game, but the tech behind that game mm-hmm. and making that accessible to others. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So it was mentioned in the chat that they removed building from the game. Is that a permanent change or is that a mode? How does that work? Do you know? Cause I, well, that's for the reason me, I quit it's playing. A, it's, yeah, no, 
Uh, trust me, I, I prefer the non-building non because um, my fingers didn't move that quick. I can't do it. Uh, I don't know how people do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but uh, it as far as I know right now, it's a it's, a, it's the default mode. Um, I think that, that was the case pick when the season started, right? Yeah. Now, some of the tournaments um, are, are building. As I know one of the solo tournaments I was in last week, they had building in it. I got wiped, uh, but <laughs> uh, you, you always think of yourself as pretty good when you're playing into free for all, you know, just the general category. Yeah. And then you jump into competition and it's like, you're 98 out of a hundred, you know, it's like, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, it's, it's very humbling to jump over on the competition side, oh, play a few games, man. but it's cool that they make that accessible. Yeah. And and that's kind of what what I was getting to like th this is the most accessible game in the world, right? It's it's playable on yeah. anything. And like and and making it to where you don't have to build made it even more accessible. So it's you know, it's free to play, it's all those things. It and they've built a big game that now everybody wants their products in it, right? So yeah. how are they going to slow down? Like what's going to slow them down? You know, when you ask about where we're going in the future, it's like we just keep an eye on Epic because I think they're going to telegraph where we're going. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's those kinds of companies that are, you know, that are really investing in what's the next gen stuff. <coughs> but they, I think they're going to need some some new ideas right the, yeah. you've got to push the boundaries and sometimes that's bringing in new people um sometimes that's just just stepping back and looking at it from a new perspective and you know how can we top this you know um they i i saw where they did a or or have secured a collaboration with uh um oh the festival um god i went blank there uh Coachella, yeah, and and to recreate that event in in the virtual world, right? Um, yeah, that stuff is cool, and and in a pandemic type situation, um, that allows you a social outlook and entertaining at the same time. So yeah, um, do they have good on Epic, man? Like, so I know that, and this is kind of a side question, um, and somebody in the audience might might know the answer to this. So I know that like the NBA has courtside virtual reality seats, right, where you can like watch a a, a live basketball mm -hmm. game as if you're sitting courtside. Do they do that for things like Coachella and EDC and big, con you know, like big uh, concert series, anything like that? Because I feel like that's that would be a really cool way to to kind of see a show. Yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, I'm not sure about the bigger venues, but I know uh, uh, one of the one of the guys that I follow is Michael Fronte in Spearhead. And um, uh, I just got a, an email today about uh, an event that he's got coming up, a live concert from Bali. And um, it's it's going to be, you know, on, on Zoom or whatever, right? Um, and you're invited. So, I mean, it's, it's like... Yeah, it's like front row and uh, at, a, at a small, intimate venue, you know, and uh, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, it doesn't replace the, the feeling of the crowd and the noise and just, you know, being around. But, you know, honestly, I'm not sure I want that. Right I don't. Now anyway, yeah, so, I, I'm know, OK with not being around yeah. a bunch of people. I just, 
that's why I live in Montana. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I always, I, you know, how great would it be to go back and watch Woodstock, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and to be able to see it live as if you were there or potentially even be in VR and be on stage with them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I mean, those are the things that I really am looking forward to in the future is some of those historical events and being able to recreate those and then allow people to experience that. Yeah. Um, I think I think uh, there's and this this might already be a thing, but something that that jumps out to me a lot is the opportunity to like have fully virtual virtual reality type immersive experiences to like see the Great Wall of China, see the Sphinx, you know, Mm -hmm. like like let me see things in the world that that people may not be able to ever travel to, you know, like that. That seems like a really cool kind of use of that technology. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't been in VR in about a year now, but uh, I know that was one of my favorite things to show people that were new to VR was get them in Google Earth, yeah, and and just let them start in outer space and come down, and you know the Great Wall or coming to Glacier Park, and you know you're you're flying around in those those areas, and it's it's seeing the cities and just the landscape and experiencing that. Um, you know, that's, I don't know, it's, it's, I, I don't even know what education would have been like, you know, with me growing up with this kind of technology. And, and I think we're going to be le- le- leveraging more of the technology in education as we move forward. I'm hoping, uh, because the, the experiences, and it, you could read about things, right? But when you can, visually see things and, and hear things, um, it, it creates another depth to that learning experience. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think that's something we are good at in general is kind of embracing technology and integrating it into things like education. There, there's, but it blows my mind to think about what that's going to look like five, 10 years down the road, but with this, how quickly technology is advancing, you know, like the, the most thing, the most that I had when I was in high school was they'd roll in the cart with the TV and a DVD player on it. I guess then it was actually the, you know, VHS player. So like we didn't have anything like that. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I think in my day it was eight millimeter probably, you know, boy, uh, (laughs) but yeah. Uh, But you know, I, I was watching a promotional video for a company this past week who does medical games uh, for doctors. And they were talking about the fidelity of the images would essentially looking at the screen thinking you're looking in somebody's body. Yeah, it, It's so realistic. And uh, just, it's amazing what companies are doing in creating these niches, using game technology or game engines. Yeah. And, uh, um, it's a pretty exciting time, you know. If you're just coming out of school, I mean, your only limitation is your imagination. Yeah. Well, the you know the other big thing, you know, we talk about you know Unreal. They they're they're big in the movie scape as well too, right? Like the Mandalorian is filmed there, and now Full Cell has their V1 studio that has the same technology that that they use for that. And when I got to see it during Hall of Fame, I was blown away because it's like. This you know giant beautiful screen with like moving cameras and it creates this cool parallax. It, you cannot tell that it's that it's a digital space. Absolutely I, mind blowing. 
good on full cell because I know the last time I was there, they had the 3D printing and the AR VR labs, mm-hmm. you know, set up. And mm-hmm. They always try to stay ahead and, and good on Haifa and Rob over there, man, for keeping that stuff relevant. Yeah. So it's amazing. It's just wild the where technology's heading in general, right? Like the the things that we continue to have access to and everything just kind of continues to improve on a level that I, I don't know how to keep up with. I'm having a hard time, you know, like keeping up with everything. Like um, where's it going? What's it, next? <laughs> well, I, I think that's a problem right now. It's because we there is so much noise. Um and you know, if you're trying to stay up on what's going on in the gaming industry, um, you know, part of that has to be directed toward blockchain and NFTs and what they're doing there. And part of it's got to be on what the new engines are. What's the new animation pipeline that we're going to use this year? Uh, you know, it's just um, it, staying in touch with with people that you went to school with or that you've worked with through the years and kind of talking about, you know, um, what their concerns are or what they, you know, what's exciting to them. Um, that it's, it, it's a constant battle to stay relevant. Uh, and, and you have to, right. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of times when you're in a bigger studio, I think that is kind of almost intuition because you're working with it every day. Yeah. Um, in smaller studios, you're so focused on one project or one tool, uh, one set, right? One one contract that you're working on um, that it's it's a little more difficult to stay relevant because you are kind of tied in. You still got to be relevant when the project launches. Um, and so you do have to forecast a bit, but not so much as a, you know, a AAA five-year project kind of thing. So, Yeah, um, and on, on, bigger, on bigger teams do tend to do that. But at the same time, I think smaller percentage of the team is doing that, right? I think in a big project, most of the people are, are still doing the same kind of like, we're working on this thing, figuring this thing out, trying to like, especially if you've got like new hardware, like, you know, for instance, working on the PS5, it's not that old. We're still trying to figure out how to fully utilize it, you know, and, and you think about end of end of life games on, on, on consoles and how good they are because we figured out how to, really you know maximize the potential of those things so there's a lot of that kind of ongoing learning happening well and i mean we're we're right there on the xbox um we have not leveraged the x like we should have um or that i should say like we could have have, yeah (laughs) um and because we're still we're streaming assets through the cloud um and that's just the way we had it set up but uh, mainly because we went mobile first and then we were planned on going back to mobile. So we had that, that structure built in, um, especially for the Android devices. Uh, just so many that you have to, you know, include or try to Man, that's, you know, create I have, the game. I mean, it's, I've never worked on a mobile title and it terrifies me to think of the, like all of the options you have to consider and all the devices mm-hmm. that you have to support. So so now are you talking about guardians of peace? Is that the project you're talking yeah. about? Okay. So yeah. you, you started mobile and then went. And so like, talk to me about that because that's, that's uh usually those are not the same pipeline, right? Like usually those are, are different yeah. games. No, it, and it, and it is and what we did was, uh, so we got the first three levels done 
um, and the client wanted to release those free on mobile so that we could get people playing and get feedback. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so we released on Apple and Google and then uh, built the next six levels and um, released those and got early testers to, to, to do, because I mean, we are a small team, so we've got, I'm paying senior programmers to test and senior artists to test, you know, uh, because we're it's 14, you know, of us, so we're all testing. But that doesn't really, that's not going to find everything, right? Because you're not going to do what a player would do or someone who's never seen a game. And we are, you know, two years into this, so we know what we're supposed to do. Know what the players expected to do, and right, and you try to go off topic, but you know, you know, you can't compensate for every possibility. Um, so get it in the players' hands, find out where they where things are broke, what doesn't work, what does work, what they like, what they don't, and then, um, you know, we iterated on that. And when we decided to push to Xbox, um, that was a whole different track. I mean. Because for one, you're going from C sharp to C plus plus, for the most part. Yeah. And uh, and then just the way we were calling assets, uh, not to mention that we went from one K, two K assets to two K to four K assets. In some cases, I think we have eight K assets all the way across the board for X. Uh, we just haven't pushed that release yet. Wow. Uh, but as the artists were creating for mobile, they were creating for Xbox and for Tim. Okay. Um, and so it was one, one, you know, one process because we knew we were going to go there eventually. Uh, but we tried to create the game so that the, the way that it was architected, we could go to mobile, we could go to Xbox, PlayStation, or VR. And, and as a core, um, and then we had to build on that for each platform. Um, and Apple's a lot different than Android. And Android's a lot different than Xbox. And I mean, it goes without saying, but you don't realize how much different it is until you're trying to port, you know. Um, and everybody has their own, you know, things that they look for. And uh, um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, but it can be done. Um, and we did not do cross-play functionality, so that was that was out. And it, it and it's a single-player game, so uh, um, you know it, it made it a little bit easier. Uh, still not, still not easy though. Uh, yeah, no, but, you know, <laughs> uh, multiple platforms but, is not easy, and it's it's really hard to fully utilize a platform if if you have to keep consideration for everything else you're building on, right? Right, and so now we're at Xbox, and uh, we're tested. Everything's good, and and then you know we're uh, we want to go back to mobile uh, because a lot of what a lot of the clients' friends and and the feedback that she's gotten is they want to be able to have their kids do this in the car you know um on road trips or uh want to be able to you know use it as a teaching element mm -hmm. and so uh having it more mobile you know tablet mobile friendly uh, and so now yeah now we're kind of reverse engineering back out of xbox into apple and google um interesting and, uh, so you know you do have to 
create switchers or managers for your assets based on the platform and um you know there there are things that you have to to design um to automate some of these processes so that your builds are easier to put out um, yeah that going in too deep but yeah i mean uh, there's also the you know the thing that keeps coming to mind for me is whenever we have a mobile title it tends to be built differently right like you know often mobile titles do things like you know a lot of uh um in-game purchases things like that but also just like the interaction modes just like the way you interact with it is very different right because you're on a touch screen now mm-hmm. instead of a controller so it's not like a super easy just port this thing over back and forth type of thing generally total new ui um and and actually response times um you know because the bottom right and bottom left are your thumbs yeah and so ui's got to be around those areas and um and i think that we i think there there is some delays that we built in um between xbox and the mobile um especially for like combat um to have the same kind of response times that we would have on a console but you know in the in the mobile and there's a lot of uh forecasting what the player is going to do um, you know, and kind of covering up um, issues with lag and things like that that they might might be experiencing. Yeah. Um, but to keep uh, keep the user experience smooth and fluid, um, you know, it can be difficult. So. Yeah, no um, doubt. <laughs> and then you throw in content that's about qigong and uh, meditation and reflection and teaching kids how to deal with racism and bullying and oh wow uh, you know peer pressure and things like that it's it's very uh, uh you got to find it fun in those sub- subjects and present it in a way that you know is it's kids are going to play without really realizing it's a teaching game right you know and uh, that's a big challenge so, yeah. that's a <laughs> really big challenge yeah uh, I hope we did it well. You know, we've gotten a lot of good good responses. The client loves it. Um, and, you know, and I know there's been a few, like, hardcore gamers that have played it and kind of like, eh, you know, um, the graphics, you know. Um, but that was never the target audience, right? Yeah. It was always, it always supposed to be kids, you know, and um, just giving them a, Giving them lessons and changing their paradigm without them really knowing. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. No, great project. Client is freaking dream to work with. And um, you don't hear that very often. No, I mean, <laughs> dude. Uh, yeah, Debbie is is one of those people that just is like she knew what she wanted, and when when we first met, we we met through. Um, a woman who I rented a room for, a room, excuse me, rented a room from in Winter Park. Oh, wow. And this was her friend. And seven years after I left school, I get a call out of the blue, you know, and uh, it just, it's, you never know what relationship is going to pay off. Yeah. And so make them all genuine and Man, worth it. That, that um, is absolutely true. Like, this was your yeah. landlord, right? Like, like we yeah, would yeah. never no, imagine I mean, a landlord I, would. <laughs> yeah, and and she was a school teacher, like just ready to retire and technically challenged. Um, and you would have never thought that 
a video game referral, you know, and especially such a big project would come from, from yeah, Miss Holly. <laughs> She's a, that's wild. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It's uh, everybody's always interested in what I do. Um, and then as soon as I start to get in it, they kind of glaze over, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm talking to folks my age, you know, or, or older, you know, uh, and kids are like, what? You do what? You know? And uh, so it's it's always fun, though, to see see the responses and and just and and I've had a lot of that through through since leaving Full Sail. It's like um, just the networking opportunities that the university gives you and just the alumni that are, you know, open and always there to help or answer questions. Yeah. Um, that to me is worth more than the education. So, you know, um, I mean, it's, it's good deal. to know what you're doing, right? But yeah. you're never going to get that opportunity if you don't make genuine relationships and you, you know, and, and you continue to learn um, yeah. and, and practice your craft, you know. Dude, you just summed up you just summed it up like <laughs> entirely in in three in three sentences you're right that, that is all 100 percent true <laughs> yeah no i can't i can't give enough props to gary and what he did it you know with full sale and it's just it's it's amazing yeah um, i'm always impressed with uh it's it's the right mentality. it's 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 not a place for everyone right it, it's no. definitely for those that are super creative interested in entertainment type fields for the most part but the thing that they get completely right is how valuable like relationships are and, and make and, like you start to make those when you're in school. And I, yeah. people that I met, like me and Sean McCabe went to school 20 years ago and now we're working together like 20 years that's, later. That's like awesome. that, that's wild. Yeah. That, that's absolutely yeah. wild. It's just like, it, it's a big, yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, just working with, um, Honestly, one of the most valuable conversations I ever had was I was literally at a point where I was so burnt out and I was so ready just to like give up on 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 being that team lead and being that that game director at the time. And, and I called up Grant and I was like, dude, I need I need an hour of your time, dude. You know, and it's just talking with with somebody that's in the industry that's experienced what you're experiencing and has pulled through. And then, you know, just those little tidbits of advice or, or, you know, or just an outside perspective sometimes is all you need, you Dude, know, to pull you back from the edge, you know, and, I, and it's like, uh, I a hundred percent get it. I, I answer yeah. those questions a lot, but I also have them right. You know, and, and it's, yeah. it's really not, you'll get in your own head pretty easily, especially in this industry and just hearing somebody kind of help guide or give you some perspective about, you know, what you're thinking yeah. through is huge. Because this yeah. this industry is one unlike any other I've been involved in, where every place is different, every project is different, every situation is different, and you need mm -hmm. to kind of like 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 it's 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 so different where you could have the same position at two different companies and have completely different responsibilities, completely different pay scales. Like exactly. it's it's just you you need people to talk to to understand what it is you're dealing with and kind of what that next step is sometimes. Yeah, and and I think um, the more senior you become within the industry, the less validation you get, um, because at that, that point true. your validation is your team's success, right? It's not an individual perspective; it's more of a team perspective, uh, at least for me. So yeah, um, and and I. 
I'm not the kind that needs attaboys or pats on the back, you know. But at the same time, when you start, when you when you are up against it, or you know, the stress becomes, you know, uh, more than normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you need some kind of outlet, and sometimes that's talking to a friend. Sometimes that's just getting on a bike and going for a ride in the mountains. You know. Yeah. Um, Whatever it is that brings you back to that center point to where, you know, you feel comfortable and you're getting up, you know, looking forward to the day. Yep. Um, you know, that's that's me. I mean, you know, it's it's when I if I sleep till seven, seven thirty in the morning, I know something's wrong. You know, there's <laughs> a lot of stress on me, you know. And, uh, uh, because normally it's like, you know, my day starts super early in the morning and um Poland time and then you know go through till uh, Vancouver time so um, you 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 are up a lot and yeah. you gotta enjoy what you're doing and you know that's the biggest thing is if it becomes a doldrum man get out yeah you know, so it's uh, it's really funny I I 100% agree with you but I think sometimes we we take for granted the fact that we get to do something we love there are so <laughs> many that's, that's so people yeah. that work to pay bills. They hate what they do. Yeah. Like, and they, they fell into a job or career. They were led into something. And, and we bit dude, what we do is difficult. It's stressful, but man, I love it. And I yeah. love it every yeah. single day. There are good days. There's bad days. There's stressful days. There are times where I feel like I'm in over my head. There's times where I'm bored. Like it, you know what it, it's, but I love it and and I I'm not gonna do anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I I think part of on on my side part of what triggers that is is the remote isolation. You know, working um, that way. There there's it's just a lot of factors that come to play, right? And because you aren't in an office or you don't have that. A direct report above you to talk to um, it, it uh you got to reach out to somebody like you or someone like grant you know and, and be like dude i know you've been here man how'd you get through it you know right. um and it's always contextual and it's always temporary and it all you know and at the end of the day you still love what you do and um but they're you know you can uh can't experience those things especially yeah. in remote so just be guarded and don't be afraid to reach out to people well you know, you know and and um, you never get past that either like me 20 years into my career <laughs> right i decided it was yeah. time for me to to make a change and grant's the first person i called right because yeah. like, like literally i'm just like I, so I just need good, some yeah. insight right it's a different perspective i yeah. want to talk through what i'm thinking what i'm feeling what i'm looking for and you know, it's those conversations are great because somebody at least has a different perspective that might get you thinking differently about whatever it is you got on your mind. Yeah, I, it's, that's funny because it's like it's always. It, part of it too is that as a producer, sometimes you feel like other people aren't as invested as you, and and, and I know this is me personally because I try to be the. I want to know every aspect of this game. I want, I mean, I want to be able to plan for every possible risk that we might have. Yeah. And I can't mitigate those risks if I don't understand those risks. And so 
you're you're looking at games and how they've done it before and you're looking at you know your competitors and what they are releasing or their trailers and how do we up that you know yeah, and, yeah. you know it's it's always i have to remember that most people work a normal schedule you know they don't work from three in the morning till you know 10 at night you know and, uh, <laughs> they, they don't know every single aspect and every arm that's moving you know in this octopus that we call the gaming industry um and so it you know it it uh it's a battle that goes on inside your own head a lot of times and and it's hard to get perspective when you've been in there you know uh so you need that you need that outside help you know it's, uh, absolutely or at least at least somebody to bounce it off go have a beer and, and talk about you know what it is that, right what, dude that's what, my favorite thing you. that's my favorite thing to do just grab a beer and talk about what's on your mind like it's it's like uh, therapy right like <laughs> you remember that you told me that was your number one tool for uh conflict or conflict uh Mitigation, I think. I, I'm not surprised was, was that I told you that. Yeah. But, so when I was, was at Volition, we had regular meetings at one of the local bars, right? Because that was one where we could, we could. It, the separation of being out of the office was really nice because it felt more like, hey, yeah. we're just out hanging out. Let, let's just kind of yeah. talk about the things that are on our mind. And then the more, then as you start to drink together you start to get to the point where you're like, your ideas flow a little freer, right? And you'll you'll be a little more yeah. free with the things that you'll say. And I don't know, I it always has worked really well for me in, in that at yeah. the very least, yeah. I get a better idea of what someone really feels about things that we're talking about. And I want to yeah. hear like real concerns. I want to hear, you know, problems, but I also hear what are you excited about? What, how, what do you think is good about this? Because if it's all negative, then you're like, you know what? Maybe we need to reevaluate this thing entirely because the general consensus is not a positive one, you know, or vice versa. Maybe, hey, you know what? I was really concerned about this. I'm not sure people are getting it. Have a conversation or even just an opportunity to explain it in a, in a different setting. Sometimes that's all you need too. Yeah. And and literally there are times where we would sit down, we're like, me and someone do not agree on something. Let's just sit down and hash it out, you know, or with a group. And it it, it can be a huge, huge thing. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and, and that is the one part of working remote that you, you kind of miss. But you still have those get-togethers, right? Um, you know, at least, an, you know, semi-annual, you know, yeah. get-togethers. And, and But I do think that per, one-on-one, like in that scenario, that it gives the other person the, the perception that you're actually hearing what they're saying. Yep. Um, because you've you've taken the time one on one, and you're not just talking and listening, but you're actually hearing. Uh, and and you know that's the, the empathy part of it. And I hate to use that word because people think you're, you know, kind of being like it's a tactic. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, but honestly, that's that's one of the most important traits to have as a leader yeah. is is empathy for your team 100 and you're you're a better producer for it you know or better just teammate in general right like everyone yeah. should have empathy yeah. right i think you're right it's it's more important from a leadership perspective but you know everyone on the team is we have our own objectives we have our own requirements we have we're all trying to make the same thing and we have our own ideas about yeah. how that should be made and like, even when you're just thinking about, hey, there's a feature, 
me designer programmer artist writer we all have objectives we have ideas thinking putting yourself in those other people's shoes goes a long way to help it understand how do we come together to make the best thing for all of us yeah exactly and um yeah so important on every aspect i mean um teams have become more a little more um because you are remote you you have to be more attuned and um and that that's a skill in itself you know uh, listening for the little keys and and yeah. uh, you know the little flags and things you know and, and purposeful uh, yeah <laughs> yeah and and then having the one-on-ones you know and and just and uh, i i generally will have three one-on-ones a week um uh, with with different team members and you know two of them are about you know the current project and one or one is always just like you know what's going on away from work what yeah. we, you know what are you doing what are you doing on your free time you know and and just trying to 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 get a little bit of that genuine connection connect that yeah absolutely there's, there's there's more than just work in people's lives and a lot of that external stuff does play into what is going on at work yeah um and just being aware of it and, and having a genuine interest in people and uh, trying to help them. Yeah. I mean, that's It's interesting. I think we finally, as a society are moving away from our job being our identity, right? Like the, normally, you know, yeah. it, when you introduce yourself, it's always like, what do you do? Right. And that, yeah. that's not that's the, the most question. important part, yeah. right? It's like, who are you? What do you care about? Yeah. Like what? That, and I think we're finally at a state where, what people do can be so amalgus, right? Like it can be like, it can be hard to understand or even, you know, you know, really kind of be able to dig into. So it's, it's, it's less like, I kind of want to generally know what you do just so I understand you, but I really care about like, what do you, what do you like? What do you want to do? What, what are you happy about? You know? Yeah. What makes you happy? And it's funny when you, I lived in a resort town early on. Um, and, you know, my real estate agent was a freaking brain surgeon in, in L.A., but in New Mexico, she was a real estate agent, you know, and because that allowed her to live where she wanted to live. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's crazy how you can prejudge people based on what they do, and yet you don't have the whole picture, you know. Yeah. And so, I, you know, when people ask me what I do, I'm like, you know, I'm in technology. You know, or I'm in video games, yeah. uh, but I don't really go into what it is because that isn't who I am. Um, although back when I was building homes, I do think I I had that like I am a, what I do. Yep. And and uh, and I'm only as good as you know what I'm doing, right? Uh, and and that is not a way to look at yourself. It's not a constructive way. Um, I agree. Because you are you are so much more than just that. It, it's know? not healthy, uh, right? And and I think we're finally starting to acknowledge where you know we've been failing in being healthy in in that regard. You know what I mean? Like when because yeah, yeah. because the, the the problem with identifying with your job or your career is the second that changes, you lose part of your identity right and that's exactly that, nope. that's that's not healthy right you know what i mean like it should be much more of like this is who i am this is what i'm doing 
Right. And, yeah. and for me, you know, doing it for 20 years is a big part of who I am and, and what I care about, but it's not who I am. You know, that, that doesn't yeah. define me. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, this whole thing has roots in the class system. Uh, yeah, and I think <laughs> that's, that's true. That's, it is very much like the one of the great things about America is that you, um, for the most part, that has been eliminated. You have the freedom and you have the opportunities um, if you seize them. Yeah. You know, um, and you don't have to stay in the class that your, your parents were in or your grandparents were in. And, uh, and there isn't a lot of value. But when someone asks you what you do, that's always the first thing. It's kind of like, okay, they're trying to put me in a class here. You know? Right. Um, and, and maybe that's just because I'm 50, you know, but I, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, it was a different world, you know, yeah. and uh, growing up. So, um, no, I mean, kids these days have, have uh, I, I, I hope that they have, they have a great future because it's uh, um, the, the restraints and constraints and restrictions have been pulled pulled away. At least, and expectations, you know. right? I think that yeah. that's another big part of it, too. Yeah, yeah. I like mean, literally, parents, I'm at a point where parents' I, expectations are brutal, man. dude. And, and that's <laughs> the know? thing. Like, <laughs> my son is coming down here to go to Full yeah. Sail this summer or this fall. Oh, and, nice! Yeah, and I'm super excited about that. He's going to do media communications, and for, for me, it's all about like, what do you want to do? Like, what excites you? What are you thinking about? Like, what do you see yourself yeah. doing for eight hours a day and not hating it? You know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. That's a way bigger discussion than what we heard when we were kids, which was, what are you going? How are you yeah. going to prepare yourself to be successful? It's like it wasn't yeah. about desire at all, or finding something that you're built for. Yeah, yeah I'm, I remember in junior high school, I had a, a, a drafting teacher ask me you know, what my dad did, and I, I said he built home. He's a carpenter. He goes, okay, well you're you're going to drafting. No, see, um, ugh. You know, and it's just kind of like it's it's stereotyping you because of your parents, right? Um, and and that was that was the way it was done. You know, uh, you don't waste college prep courses on somebody that's going to be in construction, right? Um, but I broke those molds, you know, early on, um, and and definitely. Uh, Cave to the the parent pressure of of construction and building homes for a lot of years, and then decided that you know that wasn't really what made me happy. And, yeah, uh, you know, so yeah, yeah. I look, life is way too short to be in a job that you don't enjoy. Oh um, man, and you've got to find what makes you happy, and you know, it's and try to make a, a living from that. Yeah, you know, and if there's not a job doing it, create one. No, we're in a um, time where you can like like yeah, we are yeah. like we now live in a time where you can decide what do i think sounds cool i can probably make a living doing that 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 is exactly yeah. like my parents would not even remotely understand that they they were supportive of what i wanted to yeah. do right but at the same time they didn't understand yeah. it you know they didn't know what it meant to do this or it was was i even having the chance of being successful but man, now literally you just be like, what do you want to do? You know what? I want to play video games on the internet all day. You know what? You can actually make a living doing that. It's just, yeah. it's wild. Absolutely wild.
Amazing time. All right, before we before we <laughs> before we move on too far, we've got some questions in the chat. I want to get to uh, Don't we talking have one about of these too. Oh, dude, I, I've been taking shots. I've taken three. Matter if you you know what? I have a fourth one poured here. If you want to do that this now, this is a sipping shot though. This is what are you yeah. having? What are you having there? It's uh, Codigo fifteen thirty. All right, tequila. Nice. Oh, all right. Well, George Strait blend. I've got a fourth shot of Jameson. I'm going to take here real quick. Uh, oh man, I poured this really tall too. That's not good for me. Uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have this real quick. This, this is number four. I have now. Oh my god. I've had oh all of the redeemed shots so far for tonight. Ooh. All right. So, but I do want to hit some of these questions. Okay. So one a question from Fancy Rhino says now we're talking about like um engine technology, these kind of things. Do you think there's a way, any way of anticipating coming trends in system capabilities? So we were talking about like how do you prepare for what you're gonna have to do technology wise? What how do you think about anticipating coming trends? Oh, for me personally, I'm I'm looking at where where are the bottlenecks now, um, where are the Ooh, bottlenecks? Now? That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. And 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 then how do we remove those constraints? And and in an engine especially like um, early on Unreal Engine four, their networking capabilities were their networking subsystem was a little clunky, um, and so. I knew going in that the next engine release that they would do would they would be improving upon that networking capability, right? right. Um, things like uh, Stadia coming out with the the streaming capabilities, yep. or um, you know, some of the other platforms that are are leveraging streaming right now. Um, you've got to look at what they're you know you've got to consider that 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 was a huge constraint. Um, and how do we leverage that, right? Um, do we get away from downloading the core onto the device and just stream everything? Um, and, you know, are they able with a, an, an iPhone 6 to still play it, you know? Um, and so that's kind of where I'm looking at, you know, as far as trying to, to forecast where we're going. It's looking at the development cycle and knowing where are the issues now? Because if I'm having these, I know Epic's having these and they're working on solving those. Yeah. So, um, that's a good point. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it quite that way. Yeah. Cause like as developers, we're, we're always problem solving, right. In general and, and thinking about, so, so sometimes we see problems that we don't know how to solve and we, we right. hope that someone will solve them, right? Like it's it's above yeah, us yeah, to yeah. solve. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. it's greater problem than we are capable of solving. That does not minimize the fact that it's a legitimate problem, right? And other people probably share that problem. Yeah, a great collaboration. I mean, you get on the Reddit right now and you throw out a problem that you've got, and you could crowdsource that problem. You know, it's yeah. like uh, it, it's. Or, or like go on to IGDA, you know, on their 
Discord channel or, you know, and throw out problems or it, even into, you know, like Fractured Veil or, or for your, you know, into your channel. I mean, those Unreal has their own channel too, I think. Um, you know, just reaching out, throwing it out there, see all different perspectives that come in and, you know, um, people love to collaborate. Oh, and yeah. especially if they're not in the industry, if they're a professional in another industry, a lot of times their perspectives actually become more valuable than someone in the industry yeah. because they're looking at it from a total different perspective. Their um, needs are different, right? Uh, and what right, they hope right. to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of the best advice I ever got was from a guy that, that created insurance software. Um, and it was about data warehouse and the way that you call, make your calls and um, the encryption of that, you know, data. Um, it's pretty cool stuff, you know. Yeah. And so don't be afraid to reach out of your industry to find answers. Um, you know, it's, Internet has opened us up. I mean, there's, it's way better than any Britannica series, you know. Uh, for those young, that's an encyclopedia. Um, but they used to come door to door to sell them and now we have them on our phone you know um and a hundred times the information that we had access to you know just 20 years ago so yeah um, oh my gosh yeah. it's 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 changing so exponentially fast right now that yeah. it's it's really hard to to truly forecast what's coming right i think it's yeah. really more i i really I'm, the more I think about your perspective, I really like it is that whatever's a problem for me is probably a problem for someone else and it's probably working on being solved. So if I think about what's an ideal solution for a problem that I'm having, someone's probably working on it, right? And it's probably coming somewhere down the line. And if I've got my head wrapped around what I would do when that solution presents itself, then I'm, pr I'm, I'm probably in a decent position to be ready to go. Yeah, and, and uh, just be uh, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from uh, one of the guys on Fractured Bell, one of the programmers, was to just create resilient code, you know, um, self-healing type resilience, you know, uh, that's, and, and when you're building a game, you have to do the same thing. You know, your design needs to be resilient. Your, your technology tree that you're drawing from needs to be resilient. Uh, and you have to plan for that uh, because on long dev cycles, there, there will always be things that come up that you're not prepared for. Yeah. Um, and some of those solutions come quickly and some of those solutions will take months, you know? Yeah. Um, and multiple failures to get to where you needed to be. So fail yeah. off and iterate fast, right? That, um, that is a recurring theme in this industry. And I 100%. <laughs> what, what's really interesting is that that is failing often and and like finding the fun right or or the or like the, the main things but it's hard because when we are in the moment we're thinking a lot about i don't want anyone to see this until it's ready and so we spend yeah. a lot of time getting something ready for people to see and we probably spend too much time on it Right. You know what I mean? Like it's our instinct is, is we're scared. You know, our instinct is we don't want someone to, to criticize our 
our thoughts or our idea too much until it's kind of ready for prime time. That's, that's a tough balance to figure out. Yeah. Um, calling your baby ugly. Yeah. 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 Um, (laughs) It never goes over well, but, uh, sometimes that's true. Uh, and I, I think that's, that's, has been one of my biggest, uh, advantages I think to my teams is that we I've always encouraged them to fail right it's it's not a bad thing right we're all going to learn from that failure and uh, there was over the last couple of years especially when we were in production we would schedule a day every month for them just to try new things and and push you know an idea that they might have um, and pay them to work on that for that day or that you know three day period or whatever um, and and then have have a, a retrospective on, on what you did and a show and tell and then let's learn from that you know um, and some great ideas have come out of that and, and we've learned some valuable lessons um, you know through that process but I find that um, men tend to be a little more braver in that scenario, and women have always been taught to be really cautious. Um, and like, just an example, men apply to. I think the figures like sixty percent of men will apply to job or no, men will apply to jobs where they only meet sixty percent of the criteria. Women will not if they don't meet hundred percent. Interesting, and and it means that they are brought up to be more cautious and to not take chances, and and boys more are brought up to like you know climb the jungle gym and fall on their head, be risky, you know, yeah. take that yeah dare, and so I as a as a a leader of a team, you have to be cognizant that you know every member of your team has a has an even voice, an equal voice, and they should all take equal risks within their discipline um, and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't, but uh, we all have set tasks that we know we got to get out every week uh, or for every, you know, sprint. Um, and then if you have some downtime, let's work on solving this next problem that we know that's coming, you know, and, and just and throw some ideas on paper or throw some ideas in script and let, let's see where it goes, you yeah. know, um, encouraging that and not, not not uh making sure that we remove any punishment for failure right um yeah that you encourage that environment where they they are willing to try uh new it's, things so, it's really yeah. tough to get people to understand that failure in in games is actually a good thing right like yeah. the sooner you fail the better you can adjust and make the right decision but man, that is not the way you feel. You know what I mean? Like that that's not No, no. no. And especially guys that are our age, that was not the way we were taught. You know what I mean? No. And no. we we were taught to to make it right, do the right thing, get it, you know, present the best version of things at all times. And one, I hope, you know, that that we can start to break that in general because in games it is quite literally more valuable to try it and it not go well and move on than it is to spend a lot of time on something you think is going to be good and later find out you wasted time. 
time is money in this industry, right? No, no, it is. It is. And, but the riskiest thing is staying in, in the rut, right? Of that's how we've always done it yep. kind of thing. Yep. Um, and, and you've got to push out of that rut. Um, otherwise you become irrelevant. Um, you, you've part of some of the biggest advances, I think, were, were risks. Um, and, and somebody took that first step, you know, um, so I never be deterred by the, the ability to fail, you know, um, just make sure that you learn from that failure and carry that forward and share that failure um, so that other people don't make the same mistakes that you made or it, you know, and, and maybe it's not a mistake. Maybe it's actually just, it's just not fun. Right. Or yeah. it's, it's who would have thought that, you know, the freaking goat bashing, hurting game would have been so <laughs> goat simulator. Um, you know, that was a joke, you know, I mean, I, you never know what people are going to enjoy, you know? Well, and also sometimes um, a really great idea might not be the right idea for that game or at that yeah. time, you know, like you may have a feature that is amazing, but it doesn't fit in the vision of what you're making. That doesn't make it a bad feature, right? It might be that, you know, it just yeah. needs to be in, in the next project and, or it might even spark an idea of something that's similar that would be great for the game that you're working on. Or you throw it in on the last level so that you have replayability with that new weapon. Like, yeah. you know, Mr. Toots, you know. Right. Um. <laughs> you know you could find Mr. Toots earlier? Did you know that? No. It was, I it was I hidden. Think... It was hidden in a level about three quarters through the main story that you could find if, if I... you knew where to find it. Yeah, I I think I had it. I, I can't remember. It's been a while. Um, but I know I know I did get it because I remember Kelly going, "What the hell? You got Mister Pony under your arm for it?" And then like, and then and I was like, "Oh, you think that's badass? Watch this!" You know, who doesn't then, want a you know, unicorn that starts rainbows? You know, you know like, <laughs> destructive rainbows. <laughs> oh, it's so much yeah. fun. Pretty. That was that was at one of those mixers, you know, at the bar that that idea came up. <laughs> yeah, right. That, <laughs> that, well, that's the kind of thing that happens when you give people creative freedom, right? And you give people the, yeah, the comforts, right? And the ability to be, hey, I've got this idea. I know, like, hear me out, you know? And if people are willing to hear you out, that's literally what Saints Row is built upon, right? You know what I mean? Like... Those ideas were tons of people being like, oh, you know what? I had this random thought. People were like, that's hilarious, or that's amazing, or both. Let's try yeah. it out. And and then you try it out, and you're like, yep, we're going to do that. Let's go. Yeah, and you hit you hit it right on the head, man. It's it's about the environment that you foster with your team, right? It's, it's, it's creating that environment where everybody feels free to throw ideas out or to try something new um you know we i think in production we tend to be a little more rigid um at least i do because i know the tools that i'm familiar with and and what works best for me um and and you're always learning new things when you go to a new studio oh yeah and new processes right um 
where as an artist or a programmer or a designer, um, you are encouraged to try things new, you know, because you don't want to do, you know, why reinvent the wheel? You know, it's, it, give me a triangle wheel and make that work. And then let's go from there. You know, it's, let's start pushing the limitations of what makes sense. And that's cognitive, you know, uh, I, I don't know. It's, no, it's, it's uh, interesting. Like, like one of the biggest challenges I think we have specifically as designers is finding that balance between let's take the things that we know work and let's continue to do them. But then let's also find the right places to innovate because we need a way to make something more accessible. Maybe, maybe the new technology around us allows us a new way to interact with people or even just things like, you know, the, the speed at which we can process things or show things to people changes. And that coupled with the fact that we now have kind of a, a, a renaissance finally of things like accessibility where we're thinking about everyone and be like, how do we handle colorblind people? How do we handle blind people? How do we do people that can't hear? Like it, there's so many ways for us to think about addressing audiences and, and finding new ways to do that, that we didn't, not only did we not have the technology and time and resources to do before, but throughout a lot of my career, it was, oh, that's only a small percentage of our people, of our potential audience. Maybe oh, we don't yeah. spend that time there. And, we, and I'm glad we're finally fixing that. Yeah. Yeah. The accessibility and, and the different types of controllers for different players. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it is absolutely amazing and commendable to, you know, like PlayStation and, and Xbox that they've actually dedicated a whole division to that, you know, making things more accessible to right. the people. Um, and that, that translates into the industry. And, and you're right. You know, it's kind of like, do we need captions? Oh, yeah, that's only 2% of the players. We don't need that. And, and in reality, you know, especially mobile, most of the time that's muted so the captions come in real handy you know it's like right uh, nobody wants to be caught playing a game you know at their desk you know um or whatever you know wherever <laughs> you know uh, being respectful in a restaurant right, right playing a match right. three you don't want the volume up um Man. so i yeah it's it's a it's a new world and, and it's really cool that we're able to really uh lead in, in, in technology um, where I know early on in my career, like the defense department was like DARPA and, and those guys were actually leading, right? NASA uh, with computing and with programming and things. And as the years have progressed, it's, you know, it's gone into the movie industry and now it's into the game industry and then the roles are reversed. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's really amazing. It's an amazing time. Always exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we've got the opportunity of like of two things where one, we can go mm -hmm. further down paths that we're already going down mm -hmm. and, and make those things better. Like thinking about like games like Forza that added in, you know, a sign language. You know, someone is actually on screen doing sign language to to show, you know, the the those the you know the 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 communication that's happening. That is mind blowing mm -hmm. to me. Absolutely amazing. That is a whole new thing though, right? Like we have the opportunity yeah, now yeah. to think about who is our audience, who are the individual groups we're trying to reach or even just haven't been reached yet, you know, and, yeah. and we feel like we can make it more accessible to them. 
And then how do we do that? And and we can yeah. figure that yeah. out. And we've we now have the time, the resources, and the you know the the support to think about those kind of things. That is amazing to me. Yeah, I I think the most exciting thing that I've seen recently is is just the neural controllers and readers, mm-hmm. um, and where that could be in the future, um, especially for like paraplegics and things to be able yeah. to experience yeah. a, a national park, right? Um, and, and or to play a game, you know, um, just through your thoughts. So that is, I mean, it still seems to me science fiction, but uh, we thought VR was science fiction, right? Um, and I still have a pre-order in for a holodeck if they ever come available. Where's so, that? Yeah. What do you mean? What? <laughs> That's what I want. What do you, what do you mean um, a pre-order? And hopefully we get there. I was kidding. Oh. I was kidding. But... <laughs> I was like, did somebody start a Kickstarter for holodecks? Just like a just I, We case? should. We should. Okay. You know. Um, <laughs> It's it's the creating uh, material, you know, um, into you know, touchable, feelable. Exp- yeah, I don't, we'll see. But uh, uh, give it give it to uh, science fiction for leading. You know, it's kind of like you asked me before about where we're going. It's like, well, look at a movie ten years ago and and where we're at today. You know, what they thought was science fiction is actually happening. You know, so. You know, I, I'm kind of done calling it science fiction and I'm just calling it science. You know what I mean? Like, right. it, yeah. like yeah. everything, see, it seems to be everything that is science fiction is actually possible. And we're just moving toward that possibility. So, yeah. Well, you know, in, in old times and way older than me, they called it magic. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, right. And then, and then we call it science fiction. And so, yeah, by the time our kids are our grandparents, it'll be reality. You yeah. Know? I mean, um, we're now sorry. at the point where things that we considered science fiction are just now things that we do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like oh, dude. Well, yeah. now we just need yeah. full on teleportation and actual holodecks. And when we get those two things, yeah. we're, we're going to be good. That'd be it. <laughs> I, I'd be, I'd be back for every hall of fame if we had teleporting, you know, right. You'd be everywhere for everything cool, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't have to worry about whiteouts during the winter, and I could actually go places. Oh man, uh, that would be that'd be amazing. Um, Yeah, sorry, we've gotten off topic there, but uh, there's no such thing as topic. We're we're uh, we're just having a conversation. You know, I I do want to ask you about something uh, though that's been on my mind since you mentioned it. You said your team is doing your QA, right? Have you considered, and this is just me asking a question, right? And I'm kind of curious how you as a a studio owner, you know, someone who thinks about these kind of things, have you considered like grabbing full sale students, paying them 10 to $15 an hour, whatever that is to be testers on your project? Like, like, is that, is that a, a thing that, that is possible? You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because you don't want to think about no. your guys that are making you know much more money than that and trying to focus on bigger problems or different problems. Can you bring in a team of people that that just focus on helping the quality of your project? Well, you definitely can on the mobile side um, or on the PC side, right? Um, if we haven't published yet, we're testing on the dev kits, right? So you're the, restricted yeah. there, That's you know, true. Yep. Um, and especially here with bandwidth, you know, you, the 
only want a couple of people on those kits um, just because it eats up all the internet here. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I did do that at, at God of Axion and at uh, when we released Skywars. Um, Sean Stafford helped me uh, get some people in the UX lab to test. Um, nice. And, and that was a, a lot of great feedback, you know, happened. I think it is one of the things that I wanted to bring up the next time I was at back on campus because um, generally when you need that, you don't have a lot of planning um, or a lot of time to make it all work, right? Um, there are companies that I, I use, uh, like Playtest Cloud is one for mobile. Um, that, you know, I can tell them I need 30 people to test and they record the videos as they're playing and get the feedback. And so you can hear them and, and hear their comments. And that's super helpful because uh, they'll crunch all that data for you um, and then send excerpts and timestamps um, so that you can see, you know, um, the reactions or the frustration and, and things. Uh, and, and I know Lionbridge, who did a lot of our audio translations, uh, has has a QA department that we could have leveraged, but it was the constraint was budget at that point. Um, so I think using leveraging your players base and actually getting it into the hands of your target audience and kind of rewarding them with early access, um, you get a lot of great feedback that way. Um, and, and, you know, you, but you have to filter through it. There's a lot of noise that comes back to, um, because they are game industry professionals or even in, in guardians of peace, they, they weren't even gamers, you know, um, they had interest in, in Qigong or in Tai Chi or in, you know, um, meditation. So, uh, you've got people that are technologically challenged anyway, and then, not being gamers, but you still have to give them a great experience. Right. And, and so getting that non-gamer um, feedback is super important uh, because they're looking at things in a way that I'm not looking at them or anyone on my team is looking at them. Um, but I, I, I love the idea of getting students involved and I love the idea of paying because I, I know when I went, I needed more money too, you know? Um, and, and that's real-world experience on a real-world project. And so I would love to do that. I think the barrier of entry is, is what needs to be worked on there. You know, and, and having a pool, maybe. Um, you know, and hooking that up to the alumni network, maybe. I, you know, I don't know. So, so um, what I'm hearing uh, is that I should start a small side studio that does <laughs> QA and I bring in full sale students and recent. No. <laughs> you know, it would work. I mean, there's, um, you know, I know Kennedy and, um, uh, and Gerard, they still have studios, right. That they're hiring master's students to work on projects and things. Um, I think those, that that's the kind of stuff I, you're giving people that, that first industry experience. Yeah. And it's super important to get in the door. 100%. Um, yeah. So, oh, I love the idea. I, I do. At the time, our, our, I had scheduled things so tight that I probably didn't have an opportunity to leverage that. But uh, uh, we, 
we even talked about um, getting the, the kids after school program over there, um, allowing them to test the game um, and getting some of the younger players, you know, or younger kids that are at the, the um, lab there. I can't oh, remember yeah, yeah. what the, they're calling the full cell labs. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Getting them. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's something we got to work on, brother. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, it you, would be a great resource. Exactly. It would, it would. It, it would be yeah. a great resource in both ways, which is one, recent or current students getting actual game dev experience is super huge, right? Because every position out there is looking for some kind of experience. And, you know, gaming education goes so far, but being able to say, hey, I actually, you know, contributed to a project that is out there is huge right like that's that that is a big deal so it's great for them and then also having that kind of resource available for for companies that that need so a company to jump in like help us fix this help us test this help us make sure the quality is good and you know that's that, that seems like something that could come together here I'm, I'm now coming up with business ideas, right? Like that's not what, not what I'm here to do, but <laughs> yeah, no, but and you really though the reinforcement there is like teaching them how to to write a a, a bug yes. that is reproducible oh, that you can actually like use, right? Yeah. Um, or if it's not a bug, writing a user story to solve yep. the issue, right? Yep. What what is your perspective? What is your your perception of what's happening? Yep. What should be happening, you know, and how do you perceive of the fix or whatever, you know, whatever the structure of the studios, these are stories might be, but teaching them how to do that and then using the tools to report the bugs. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? Um, it's it's yeah. real world experience for the students, and then it's also a resource for potential connected developers to to be able to utilize. Like, I, I'm surprised yeah. there's not more of it, honestly. Fernando, are you listening? Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to send them this link uh, so we can talk about that. So awesome. Yeah, yeah it, it's funny though because like I, I am not an entrepreneur person, right? Like I'm not somebody who's like I'm going to start this company and do this thing. That's just kind of not where my heart is. That's not where my my I'm not built for that. If someone, if I had a partner that like is a business person, that kind of thing that does that, and I'm more of like, let's, let's get the thing going. That'd be a different story, uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I think it's just a cool idea. You know, I think, I think it's something that could help a lot of yeah. people, you know, there it is. And there is, um, and really it's just, it's word of mouth getting out, you know, getting it out there so that people know it's, it's available, yeah. you know? Um, I mean, the UX lab there has been a great resource for years for companies yeah. um and it's probably the greatest resource nobody knows about you know <laughs> it's you know alumni know but you know outside of that um they you know when i tell tell ceos or presidents that hey we've got this resource we can use and they're just like what why would they do that you know um so yeah yeah leverage the tools that you're given and, yeah. and take every opportunity you can um so we we've actually hit time again. So it's I it, it I don't flies. talk to people during the week it other flies. than my team. So you know it's 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 uh, 
just run on, man. That's all right. <laughs> right before we hopefully, end. hopefully you guys get something from this. Dude, like, there's been uh... there's been so much great stuff here. Like, super appreciate you joining us, and we'll, you know, like, and we'll get the podcast ready for people that couldn't be here live. There's some really great yeah. stuff in here. And as a matter of fact, there's some stuff I'm going to pull out of here as shorts and throw on TikTok and on YouTube soon too. But nice. before we get going, is there anything else on your mind? Anything you want to make sure that we that we touch on at all tonight? Uh, I mean, um, from a student perspective, it's just, you know, genuinely network and make friends. Um, it, that is more important than anything else that you'll do at full yeah. Um If you're in the industry, um, yeah, stay relevant, man. Um, and don't be afraid to, you know, think outside the box uh, because that's where some of the best ideas come from. Um, you know, and, I, and it's cliche, but it really is relevant in this industry. It's like if, if you've been doing something for five or six years the same way, um, look at it from a different perspective and see if there's a better way, you know, um, a cleaner way or a more efficient way. Um, and don't it's be afraid a better to share way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's about it. I mean, I. <laughs> oh man, I I super appreciate it. This has been absolutely. There's some some really great stuff in here, and I love that that when you and I talk, there's no there's no agenda, right? Like you know, usually with people, I'm like, all right, we're gonna walk through, you know, like step by step, but like with us, it's like who knows where it's gonna go, and it always ends up being great. So. That's I appreciate awesome. I you. appreciate Thank you joining you. me. No, it's I think uh, you. It's been really good. Um, we uh, will you and I'll chat. Uh, uh, honestly, we probably could have you on again and, and talk about who knows what. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll yeah, chat we'll have to that. do that outside the box, you know, conversation. And yeah, we've got some pretty exciting stuff on the horizon coming. So uh, might have some new information soon. Uh, okay, to share. So yeah, yeah, that sounds great too. Thanks, Jameson. All right, I, man. I definitely, I knew I made it in the industry when Jameson sent me an invite for a web <laughs> podcast. You know. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I'm going to jump off here and say my goodbyes. Thank you again for joining us. We'll talk about doing that again soon. And I hope you have a good right, rest guys. of your week, man. Talk to you later. Have a good night. Later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, you can join us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv forward slash Jamison Doral. Every Tuesday, I'll have a new podcast episode ready for you. Be sure to follow me on all of my social media using the links in the show notes and join the Dev Team Discord to be a part of the conversation anytime. We'll see you soon.